Welcome to a new episode of Operation Gundog. We hope you enjoy it. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Yukonuba Sporting Dog. If you want to get everything your dog's got, you need nutrition that holds nothing back. To help unleash your dog's maximum potential, check out the new Yukonuba Premium Performance lineup at yukonubasportingdog.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Here tonight we have Tim Seguin, who's going to present us with the topic of a gentleman's gun dog. He runs Blazing Kennels out in Texas, South Texas, Houston area. Tim, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your kennel? Yeah, you bet. So we um, we originated actually like in the East Texas area and uh, just moved to, um, to Houston area. So we've been here since July. And uh, we, we started out um, years ago training – buddies dogs training confirmation dogs just anything to do with a labrador that wanted to hunt we would try to put them out and and um and see if they could actually go out there and work for us and pick up our ducks as kids and then that actually that hobby actually turned into a business to where we're at today and um pretty cool story behind everything and where we started from and and where we're at now all began with a with a dog that we had named blaze and then that's kind of where we started our kennel name, Blazing Gun Dogs. So, right on. In a nutshell. But. So, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Blaze and you know how he inspired you to create this business or to name your you business bet. after him. Yeah, yeah. So, and we'll and we'll backtrack just a few years before Blaze. We had we had several Labradors that either we would man we would rescue or they would just show up at the house. We lived on the lake and we lived at an area where there was a bunch of duck hunters. And so I would always hear shooting and stuff going on at the lake. And I was always wanting to know like what it was like to go hunt as a kid growing up. So if we seen a dog that looked like, sounds horrible. If we seen a dog that looked like a Labrador, we're like, Hey, wonder if that can be a hunting dog. <laughs> and as coming up as a kid, we're like, let's see what this dog can do. So my mom, you know, she's like, hey, son, you have like six dogs here at the house. What are you doing with all these dogs? You're like so picking it's just up dogs? Our blood, but just, man, we'd see a black lab running down the road and we'd be like, hey, that <laughs> dog looks like he can hunt. <laughs> so, and we get it home and it might be like black lab and pit bull mix. But we were out, you know, just trying to figure out how to make it a cool dog. And grow, that's awesome, growing man. up, that's all we had was was just water dogs and, and, and Labradors. And we were just trying to, just trying to see what it was all about. Years go through, we actually get a full bred, purebred Labrador. And, um, that dog's name was, uh, Ellie and she was an older retired dog and she was a nice trained dog. We got to keep Ellie for about a year and she passed on and, um, and, and then, you know, Blaze came aboard. Once once Ellie passed, I actually seen what it was like to have a good trained dog. Uh, we got her from a lady that that was uh, retiring. Ellie had a few tumors, some cancer spots, so we knew her life was going to be short. But she was, you know, still had the heart there. Everything was there. She still wanted to work. She was like the science dog. We got to learn what it was like to actually have a good trained Labrador. Once Ellie passed on, we 
you know, kind of set out to find us a dog. And my buddies was like, hey, you know, we found this Labrador. It was running down the street with his mom. And um, it was a puppy. And, you know, the mom and the puppy were running down the road. They rescued the mom and the pup. The mom turned out to be pretty decent. But this puppy is just a complete crazy dog. And it, may, it might fit you perfect. And I was like, heck, yeah, let's see what it's about. Well, I went and rescued Blaze. And he was no longer a puppy anymore. He was two years old when I rescued him. So the 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 crazy thing is, is I guess two years flew by and the guy didn't realize that the dog was no longer just a little puppy running with his mom. We got Blaze and um, man, I just spent the whole summer training that dog and trying to learn what I learned from Ellie and try to just put it into Blaze and duck season rolled around. This is back it's probably been nine, 10 years ago, duck season rolled around and blaze just went out there and kicked butt. All the accomplishments showed that we were training that dog. It was all there. And, um, that kind of just brought us in to say, Hey, we can train. We rescued this Labrador. We trained them. Let's maybe try to train more dogs for, for friends and buddies that are asking about it. And it, and the business kind of kicked off. So. Right on, but, man. Um, so, at some point in this journey, you transitioned over to the type of dogs that really is the topic of the episode, which is what gentleman's common, gun, yeah, yeah, gentleman's gun dog, and so would be like a British lab typically. So, can you talk? Typically, to yeah. Go ahead and let us uh, tell us about how you got into those British labs. Heck yeah, man. So we, we took on like with training blaze and we, and we started learning and, and training with some American field trial guys and learning the game. And, and we learned real quick that it wasn't for us, the, the hunt tests and the field trial games. We were just, we were, we were out there training what we'd call what we always considered a meat dog. And that's what we wanted as, as blaze was getting older and you know, this is years, this is moving forward we were always looking into that second dog we put in our kennel. We, uh, we got in and we started training, you know, some American field trial bred labs. And that kind of was the complete opposite. What we were looking for in dogs, they were very well trained and, and did a lot of cool stuff, but it wasn't what we were looking for in a hunting retriever. So to just keep moving forward, we took on and, um, some British dogs. We, uh, with the, with a female trainer that had confirmation style and she had some true import British dogs. So we started training for her. And then that kind of led us into researching what British gun dogs were about. And then we met up with um, some good friends of ours at Southern Oak Kennel. Uh, this has been about four years now. And we started looking into um, imported British field trial bred dogs. And then that's when we actually established our LLC and became Blazing Gun Dogs LLC, um, hunting retrievers, devoted companions. It's all about British gun dogs is, is our main focus now. So, right. So before we get too far into uh, specifically British gun dogs or British labs, um, can you touch on kind of the differences between an American field lab, a British field lab, and the confirmation type English show labs. 
for those most, that don't know, there's a difference. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. So we'll just go straight to English labs. English labs are going to be your big, bulky bread. Um, they're typically anywhere from 80 to 120 pounds, big heads, slobber all over the place, short, tail. <laughs> And, uh, and they, they just, they're just good dogs. They love all the lovings and you train most of the time with like a cheese stick. You, you lure the dogs, you tease them and that's how you train them. <laughs> they, they want them, they want them to be what you call it stacked. They want that dog to stand at a very, um, nice stance that tail straight head up. Now, with all that being said, I've, there's, there's a few English bred labs that are out there with huge accomplishments right now. They're just not for us again. I mean, we, we put our dogs through so much hell during duck season that good luck getting that, that you know, that 100-pound dog out there and putting it through a whole season. You're going to shorten its lifespan is what you're going to do. They're not bred to do what we do. And right. um, there's nothing wrong with the dogs. They're great dogs, but they're just not for what we do. And people get them confused when we talk about English and British labs. So when we talk about British labs, British gun dogs, we're talking about field trial bred British Labradors. These dogs, most of the studs will be 65 pounds, 75 pounds max. All the build is on the front end. If you ever look at a picture between an American and a British dog, you're going to see on the British dogs, they got, they got really, really short, thick necks, big chest, and it, it's all built right there on the front end. They, everything is put for power on the front end they're made to push through fields push through cover jump over fences whatever it takes to get to the you know the the target they're going to pick up and a lot of the british dogs in the uk are, are, are fur animals i mean they're, they're chasing rabbits and, and foxes and they're picking up fur versus picking up birds right and then which uh, British labs originated in the in the 1800s. I mean, that's where they came from. Was was from from overseas. It wasn't like a dog that was bred here in the states. A Labrador. A Labrador was bred in the UK and then brought to the states. American Labradors are field trial bred. American Labradors are the exact same thing. You could get some 65 pound, 75 pound studs. You may get some bigger studs but these dogs are going to be longer they're going to have skinnier heads and they're built to run they are built to get after it and not stop and that's how we've bred them here in the states forever is you go 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 and you don't stop and in, in, until your day's end and that's this is what we want out of them we're asking them to do stuff that our labradors our british dogs would look at me and say you're out of your mind dude a duck does not fall that far for no reason ever <laughs> when we're hunting. Right on. So, but um, in well, cases, you, said, you know, yeah. Go ahead. So, I'm I'll, just saying in cases, you know, we, we do train for distance and we do train for, for short runs. We'll train for big two, 300 yard blind retrieves. I'm, I've been a hunter for a very long time, and it's very rare that you actually push a dog that far. And if you do push a dog that far, it's normally a wounded bird that's out there flapping its wings. So they're going to clearly see it and go full speed onto it, you know. Right. So. so talk to me a little bit about what qualifies these dogs as a gentleman's gun dog. What's the difference between the British Labs 
and all the other labs that we've talked about that would say this is for a gentleman. Yeah. Yeah. A gentleman's gun dog to me is, is I'm thinking I'm going out with my, my grandpa or my dad. I got a dog at heel and I'm not worrying about the dog. The dog's right there at my heel. It's listening to what I'm asking it to do. It's not all over the place. It's not barking. It's not whining. It's holding it together until I say, go. Meaning there, it doesn't take away the fun of the hunt. It doesn't take away the time that you're trying to spend out in the field or out in the duck blind with your buddies. The dog is hanging out, just waiting on your command. And that is right what, when we, when we say a gentleman's gun dog, it's a very mannered Labrador retriever. That's not taken away. You know, what you're out there actually doing is trying to enjoy your time out in the outdoors with your buddies, with your family and, and, and wing shoot. So, Right. So, you know, when I hear a gentleman's gun dog or a British lab over there, I automatically think of just what a hunt looks like that's different from how we hunt over here. Um, and then their field trials where they dress up in the, the tweed suits and their dogs <laughs> go to the pub with them afterwards and they eat, you know, fish and chips or whatever. The dogs just lay it out on the ground, <laughs> calm as can be. Just that exactly for a gentleman. You know, there's a point in like the <laughs> in our podcast charts that we were doing pretty well in the European circuit, but I think uh, so stereotypical over there just just tanked our ratings <laughs> over across the pond. <laughs> so, so I mean, honestly, we we probably still do things like bass backwards here to how they train dogs in the uk i mean we we definitely put a twist on our gun dogs that are brought overseas to to, to train here but i i mean I, I mean right now i have several different labradors american and british in training and and i can tell you the ones that most people are going to want to take out in the field and hunt with and i can tell you the ones that most young kids would come here and say oh i want that dog because that's that's what they think they want. They they think they want a fire breathing dragon until they're you know mid mid time and season, and then the dogs is basically running all over the handler and it's running the hunt. Right. You know, it's it's not. It's because we don't we don't have a and and, uh, and I'm not knocking. Um, we could get so far into like this. I'm not meaning every American dog is 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 not a good hunting dog they're great hunting dogs it's just we breed them so hot here that the dog thinks it's gotta always be doing something or always be going and a lot of the ways the trainers train here they think if they're not going or doing something they're simply going to be applied pressure to or they're going to be in trouble you know so they think they have to work or they they build that anxiety up that they just got to go, go, go. And a lot of that has to do with the training because we've been very successful in training some American Labradors that, that can go out and hunt. They still whine a bit and they still stomp their feet, but, but they kind of fit into our program some. So. Right. So, you, so if you had an, an and you do have American field labs yeah. in your program, um, they fit right into that same training style is what you're trying to say. They, they will. So it's, it's kind of yeah. all about, I mean, so we, we just sent a, uh, 
American bred Labrador home today. Um, she's out of Dark Timber Kennel. It's a kennel in uh, Dallas, Fort Worth there. A really well-known field trial bred kennel. And uh, the dog's name is Tess. And um, she's going home, no e-collar, the way we train. But I can tell you, she will push it. Like she, she is always looking for a loophole to, to try to get out of something, you know, if, if right. you're trying to make her set for an hour with all the other dogs, you know, eventually she's going to be spinning her head in circles and say, this shit's boring. I'm ready to go <laughs> run. <laughs> so, right. Why are you guys sitting here like this? So, <laughs> this is ridiculous. Yeah. But, they're, ha- they're hanging out in the pub together. And she's like, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. I mean, it's, it's just how it is. I mean, here in the States, we're bred to go, go, go. We think we got to have everything right now, but that's not necessarily always the case. I mean, we're, we're a little more crazier here in the States versus how they, you know, just hanging out at the pub with your Labrador. Right. No, but I mean, we want, we want a, a calm hunting dog. That's, that's what 90% of my customers before they even know who we are, you know, I, when I'm talking on the phone with them, I said, you know, I'm just looking for a dog that I can go out and shoot birds with and, you know, enjoys picking them up and brings them back and, and goes home and hangs out with me. And I'm saying, well, we can definitely, you know, fit your needs with that dog. So, I know we, we talked on the phone earlier this week and you made a, a kind of comparison that I really liked where, where you compared uh, – you know, some of these American field trial labs that are being trained to run field trials, it's like a, a thoroughbred racehorse. Yeah, no, and And another comparison I always, I mean, our British labs don't do, I mean, don't think that they won't work. I mean, when, it, when a bird hits the ground, man, they hit the ground running hard. It's, and people think that when they see those dogs, like, well, you know, it's just a, you know, a calm British Labrador or a calm Labrador hanging out. That dog's not, you know, going to be impressive in the field. That's the complete opposite. So another way I've always compared them, and I, I compared an American dog to like a rocket ship. It builds up, it sets there and it builds up all this combustion and then it just goes, you know, big explosion. And then I compared our British labs to like a jet plane. It just sets there and spools up and gradually takes off and then hits that speed and it's just as fast. So you got a rocket ship and a jet plane. I mean, just choose your, you know, <laughs> choose your right. pace, whatever you want to hop in. They're, they're both going to be, they're both going to be kicking butt. They're both going to be hauling butt. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm more of like a jet plane type of guy. I don't want to be riding in a rocket ship right now. So, <laughs> and, and I can, I mean, we have a, we have a, a dog here named Rose. She's an American bred dog and she is super fun. So fun to train. She's vocal, very, you send her and she barks back. She like talks back to you. It's just the little things about her, but Rose belongs to a 76 year old man. And he bought that dog getting a finished gun dog from a kennel. That dog is definitely finished, but she's too much dog for a 76 year old man. He can't, that's why she's back here with us in training because she just she literally runs circles around that man. I mean, she needs to be oh, out. Yeah. She needs to be out doing her thing. She needs to be out competing, man. She's a field trial bred dog that is pure octane, ninety to nothing. Man, man she's nice. I think you bring up a really good 
point with that and something I've kind of been thinking about this whole episode is, you know, you need to find a dog that fits you and, and your needs. And that 76 year old man probably doesn't need, you know, the field trial lab. No, just like, just like the guy, you know, the, uh, the race car driver probably doesn't need to hunt with a bulldog, you know? (laughs) Exactly. No, that's exactly right, man. And they, that this gentleman that brought me Rose, I mean, he, he, he has good intentions and I know exactly what he wants and Rose will, will deliver everything he wants, but he, but she's going to deliver like 130% of it. And, and that's why she's here right now because she's just too much dog for him. I'm never going to send a dog home to a client that, that doesn't fit that client. We always figure out what they need because it's just not fair for the dog or the client. Rose needs to be right. with a, with a, with a God service that's killing, you know, 3000 birds a year. <laughs> it's hot. So. Now, Tim, a little bit ago, you, you kind of mentioned like, you know, you send your dogs home, no e-collar or anything. Can you touch on your program and kind of what outline you follow versus the American method versus the British method? So one thing that I can tell you is the there is no strict program that we stick to in training Labrador retrievers. We can and and and, and if answers your questions the right way, we we have had dogs that went home on a e collar requested by the customer, right? We don't preferably stick a e collar on a dog if the dog's not working out in our program without the e collar will recommend another trainer if if the if the um, owner of the dog is trying to get something done in a short amount of time because don't get me wrong with an e-collar you can get you can accomplish a lot more very fast with an e-collar but i'm just not a fan you give the dog time and if the client doesn't want to pay for that i understand i get it well you know i recommend a lot of other trainers that use e-collars that can speed the process up a good friend of mine, Barton Ramsey, always explained it's the difference between walking or driving a golf course. You know, you're going to get there a lot faster in a, in, a, in a golf cart versus walking it, but I think you get a better end result without an e-caller. So, uh, and so to answer your question, if it's not working, either the dog will just go to something else different, you know, we'll try to take the focus off what, what we were failing at, or, you know, we recommend another kennel that if the client wants to push the dog faster, you know, further, faster, I guess. So, okay. So I guess uh, it's all a maturity thing. I mean, we've, we had a Labrador that for the first year and a half of her life, I, I just thought that she was never going to make nothing. And we don't really believe in washing a dog out. I, I hate that word. You know, this dog's just not going to make it. Um, I, I believe in letting the dog mature and whatever it's going through to get that figured out to just get the dog back in training. But we have our Labrador, uh, her name's Echo. And the first year and a half, she she wasn't what we expected she was going to be. And now she's two and a half years old, going on three. And she's one of the top hunting retrievers that I've ever got to hunt behind. And she's phenomenal. It just took her time to adjust. 
something was just weird about her, you know, the first year or so of her life. So, um, you know, without using the e-collar, um, you know, you're talking about, I guess, like, uh, you know, putting pressure on the dog, um, an alternative way to get you know a dog's attention. And I, I think a, a lot of the British style training methods would use, um, you know, treat training or luring, which I, I think works great if you have a, a food motivated dog. Right. But, you know, so, some do, every dog doesn't necessarily have the same love language. So uh, what do you do in the in the case that you, you have a dog that's not tempted by the hot dog bits or the cheese? Because uh, I have a dog like that in my kennel right now. That's yeah. Not food motivated at all. Like he might not eat all day if you know. <laughs> no, that's uh that's a great question. And I could say, you know, get ready to go buy a bunch of uh, real life birds, man. That's right. that's we've had this problem several times. Uh, they just don't want to work for food. They don't really care, you know, but, but we put them in front of a little quail or a pigeon. It's a whole nother level. And okay. it, it, I mean, you, you, you get the feathers out, you get the wings out, you get that blood what they're bred for out. And, and a lot of stuff starts clicking and starts coming on and you see a whole nother dog. I had, I've had dogs, you throw a bumper for them. They walk out to the bumper. You throw a duck on the ground, you know, fire's coming out their butt. It's completely <laughs> different. So, it's so just, just finding a, what what motivates them. What motivates that dog? And, and I'm as I mean, it's as it's as easy as a, a damn squeaky toy. You know, you get the squeaky toy out and you're squeaking and you throw it and you're free playing and that dog's tail starts wagging, the ears are perking up. You can tell it's working. Well, here, you know, now you're training with a squeaky toy for two weeks until you figure out what it takes. I mean, we really. not every single dog that comes in our kennel or every dog out of our breeding just responds to uh, luring is what you call it. You know, just food. Right. Some of them will turn their nose and want to go eat grass or something instead. So it's whatever it takes to get that dog. And so the method that most people stick to most programs you follow is simply, you know, you apply pressure with an e-collar, you put the e-collar on at a certain age, you know, the dog, cuts its teeth so you get to the get that through you you do do your force fetch program after you get off your force fetch the collar's been introduced then you start doing you know you're forced to pile with an e-collar you're using the pressure you basically build a machine or or a fire breathing dragon that you can't no longer control anymore because you that whole time of the puppy's life you were telling it hey you better do this or i'm going to put the pressure on you right so it's hard to take it back when you're when you're getting mad at your dog when it's, you know, out there doing something. Because it simply thinks if I don't go get that, and bring it back, you know, I'm instantly in trouble, or I'm instantly going to get this tingly feeling, or I'm instantly going to get you know some type of pressure applied. Now, we'll we'll fast right. forward. We'll, I mean, we'll rewind back to what we were talking about. We do what we call like a, a negative reinforcement will take away something. It's like, you know, my, my 10 year old son, he back talks. I take away the keys to his full wheeler or something. You're grounded from it. And he quits back talking. You know, and right. he gets to go ride it again. The training a dog is no different. You, you take away something. They simply say, okay, hmm, maybe if I'm good, I get that back. Right. And, but, but 
but again, it's a difference in walking or driving a golf course. It takes time. There is no rush. So something, something like, uh, breaking on a mark or whining, you're going to, you're going to add a denial in there. Um, yeah. as many times as you it. need to. Yeah, you bet. You bet. I've spent a many times on my feet walking out, grabbing the bumper and making the dog sit there and, and making the first season for the dog, just, you know, letting them pick up maybe, you know, 10% of the birds, but letting them understand what's going on and putting it all together. Yeah. The Labrador can probably go out there and pick up every bit of the birds that hit the ground, but maybe it's not ready yet. You need to teach that dog to focus, set still, understand that every retrieve is not necessarily that dog's retrieve because because then you build the dog where it's able to work with multiple dogs. And it's fun if you can have one or two dogs out or three dogs out with a big group and everybody's listening all the dogs are working together. There's nothing better than that. There's nothing better than going out on a hunt and seeing multiple dogs work together with zero issues. And it's simply teaching that dog like you said denials are taken away if you break if you run from right here if you break hold you break steadiness you know if i can't catch you if i if, typically i'm running after the dog and i'm catching it and i'm taking it and setting it back on place if i don't yeah. catch you and you bring the bumper back i'm kind of i'm gonna turn my back to you i'm not gonna say good boy i'm gonna turn my back to you kind of ignore you set you down and then the next time when the bumper falls, you're going to have to sit here and I'm going to go get it. If you break again, I'm going to put you on a lead. You know, right. you're going to get to set on a lead and watch all these dogs play and retrieve until you quit lifting your butt or quit pulling on the lead. And I mean, it's, they figure it out. They eventually yeah. say, okay, I get it. Yeah. A good so, bird boy will help you with that too. If, the, if they yes. break, if they can, if they can get there a little quicker. They get uh, there first. So, right. Yeah, that's something exactly I like right. to do with uh, diversion birds. So yeah. uh, set you set you up somebody that can pick it up if they uh, decide they want to switch. It only takes one once or twice, and they get it, man. Yeah, the best thing you can ever do for a retriever, you can put all this, you know, obedience training and everything. The best thing you can do for that dog is teach that dog every retrieve is not his or hers. Right. And teach them that hey. Chill out, honor the working dog, and you'll get your chance. Right. So, we have a again, and, and I and I go back and forth. So we had a gentleman bring a dog in, um, and it's another American Lab. Which as I said we're not anti-American Labradors. This dog came in. He said, "Man, I needed to be steady. I needed to bring the bumper back. Quit throwing it in the air. You know, it, it just thought it was a game. It'd bring it back and throwing it around, gnawing on it." First thing we did is we went straight to hole conditioning. We went to a reward-based hole conditioning. This is like a three-year-old dog. And we, we got through the hole conditioning. We did a little Instagram story the other day. The dog's name is uh, Pato, uh, duck in Spanish. Nice. We can, we can go anywhere around our property and set that dog and shoot a mark multiple times and make commotion. Shoot that duck. Shoot that duck. Get him. Get him. You know, just, just how it is when you're duck hunting. And that right. boy will sit there, and he'll plant his butt till you send him. That's all the client. He said, I want my dog steady, and I want him to bring it back, holding it, not thinking it's a game. We accomplished that. Now, to get there, it was a journey. It was tough because that dog, all he knew is click, I'm gone. 
I mean, did the, as soon as you click the safety, the dog would be out in the decoys. <laughs> They're ready to go. Yeah. Turn it back looking at you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, Pato learned real quick that, you know, we're not the bad people. You keep breaking, you, you know, you, you don't get anything. You break. I promise you, we got somebody that's going to either get there first. We started sitting dogs out in the infield or in the outfield. And as soon as Pato started breaking, we would say, you know, Fergus and make Fergus go get the bumper. And, and Pato learned real quick that, hey, man, this game sucks. He had other people out there that would snag the bumper like your bird boys before he could even get to it if he broke. And it took it took time. But that dog's steady, super steady now. We accomplished it. Right. Just ways around stuff, man, where you don't have to just he, – he even was breaking so hard he broke a slip lead in half. He took off Jesus. full stride and just snapped the slip lead. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I looked at I was like, now you owe me a slip lead, dude. Oh, my I mean, God. You're 30 bucks in on this one. Wow. So, but I don't know. Yeah, I can, I can appreciate the, uh, the creativity there. I think uh, – you know, I've seen some 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 quote unquote creative things that I uh, wouldn't necessarily want to replicate with my dog. For instance, uh, today on Facebook, I, I saw a, uh, uh, a, a <laughs> I guess a little uncalled for uh, training method uh, putting putting nails in uh, the end of the on the edges of the bumper so that your dog grabs it in the middle. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, we, we if we ever sit back and we ask ourselves, why are we trying to put so much control on these dogs? What's, I mean, like the something we could talk about a bumper. Who cares? Because it can't, it cannot grab a bird that way. It's got to grab a bird a certain way. Oh, uh, you don't put nails in your ducks before you send your dog after them. <laughs> no, we quit doing that. I like to, <laughs> I like to wrap mine in barbed wire. Oh God. <laughs> no, the. I mean, really think about it. I mean, you get to a point where you're, you're asking yourself, am I, am I wanting to train this dog to work or am I just wanting to be a control freak and, and, you know, be over somebody? I mean, the, the other thing about dog training is not about trying to be a bully or, or, you know, be mean to a dog. It's simply you and a dog and you're, and you're, you're asking somebody to do something that you probably wouldn't do yourself ever. So think about the, how the dog's thinking. So, it's it's it blows my mind. So, right. The soft mouth theory is something that, again, people take way too far. Uh, like you said, the bob wire, the nails. Uh, I mean, again, when you go grab a big goose or a duck, you you know you have to hold it a certain way, or they're not going to be able to carry it back. You you holding it by the head, you're going to be stepping on the wings. You know, you're holding it by the feet. It's going to be kind of, you know, it's going to be floppy. You got to grab it right underneath that wing, center up, like, like the gentleman was trying to accomplish with the nails, I guess, to get it back. So, Gentle, gentleman. Yeah, I don't know. It's in a nice slur. I mean, I, I'm not way. I can't. I don't know how far we could take it, but yeah. that's not cool. Not cool at all. So I was, you I, know, I, I, don't I remember. think he was wearing a tweed suit, man. <laughs> you know i i remember the first time i saw somebody suggest that on a retriever post on facebook i was like 
oh, <laughs> these people are kidding. Like, that is so obviously a joke. Yeah. And then people start chiming in with, like, the pictures of bumpers wrapped in barbed wire and nails driven through, like, wooden dowels and all all sorts of crazy stuff. And I was like, Jesus Christ, this isn't dog training. This is an episode of Saw. Like, yeah, it's <laughs> horrible. I mean, if you look at all the bumpers, the bumpers have the the ribs on them and the and the um oh gosh whatever the bumpers are designed to help a dog have a soft mouth because it simply hurts their gum if they're just biting down on a rubber bumper that's rigid you know you don't have to put freaking nails on it a, a dog's mouth is one of the most softest things they have the the upper mouth their tongue area they're not gonna want to bite down on you know it, canvas bumpers are a little tough i mean a little different that a lot of dogs like to grab those canvas bumpers and i don't know if they were brought up as puppies and they thought think it's a squeaky toy or something but a lot of times you will not see them gnawing on a rubber bumper in the first place because it's got you know it's rigid it hurts their gums already you don't got to add nails to it so. right yeah i think there i think you know there are some bumpers that might uh you know i wouldn't say encourage them to to chomp on it or bite on it but some some are better than others for that as far there as, is. Uh, There's a lot of bumpers out there that that kind of will encourage dogs to want to bite on it and play with it. I mean, they're right. again, they're Labradors, or or not even Labradors. I'm, I'm saying that. I mean, they're they're just they're retrievers. You know, right. they they like to put stuff in their mouth and play with it. That's that's the drive. I mean, when we bring them up as puppies, we send them after a, a prey. I mean, a pigeon or whatever, and just go to town. Go have fun with the duck and just play with it. Do whatever you want to build that natural prey drive you know right um, yep goes a long way for uh you know, building a gun dog you know and, and if you want to birds you know, talk about a exactly and and if you ever people always ask me well how do i soften this dog's mouth up there's several ways and another way is throw a frozen duck i mean nobody likes to bite down on a piece of ice a solid piece of ice eventually they learn you know, they can try to take all the feathers they want, and they're going to get to a chunk of ice. I'm like, this thing sucks. Right. I'm not going to keep biting on this. Oh, frozen frozen ducks, you know, have to hurt their teeth, I would assume. So if they're trying to bite down on something. That makes I always, so <laughs> I always wondered if dogs get brain freeze from picking up uh, frozen ducks because, you know, essentially it's like biting into <laughs> to. To like a fudge pop. <laughs> you know, it, it's just cold but that's funny I've, no i've never a noticed I mean, a dog so much, uh, <laughs> heating up and cooling off through their mouth so uh, yeah good point no that's that's definitely that's how they heat and cool like you said i mean that's their that's their airflow so they hung they hang their tongues out their their furs for you know insulation and and it needs to, you know, they need to blow their coat in the summertime and have a good shiny coat and and hang their tongue out and breathe. And I mean, I don't, I don't get some of the methods that people try to train with. Though it, it's, it's beyond what you would call yourself a dog trainer. That's just pure. It's, it's, it's. Uh, I don't know. I, don't I know mean, it, you know, it kind of goes against the human dog relationship that you know we all yeah man's best friend right, right? i'm i'm not <laughs> so anyways 
I know, like I said, like we started, dogs are very forgiven, though. That's that's the that's the sad thing about a dog. You could have a horrible, horrible dog handler, dog trainer, and that dog will wake up the next day, still wag its tail and say, "What's next?" You know, right? Some people can beat them down and break them down so much, you know. But the dog simply just pick their head up and they keep working, and that that's what's so amazing about them. So. Well, I think we've pretty much – I've asked all the questions that I wanted to ask. Dominic, you got anything else? Man, I think <laughs> I think you definitely did a good job of illustrating a, a different approach to, to training gun dogs. I know following that yeah. that uh, primarily e-collarless training program is uh, – is definitely like you said it requires a lot more patience but you know it we we set out with this podcast to make content that that other people can find beneficial and you know maybe there's some people yeah. who are listening that that can kind of take this run with it reach out to you for some some information on on following that type of method i i think uh you know through through all of our other episodes, me and John do utilize e-collars, so maybe we've been a little more biased that way. So we appreciate having you on to kind of talk about you know the the opposite of that, and you know we we hope uh, our listeners are able to to get something out of that. Well, yeah, I think you bring up some uh, really good points, and there's more than one way to uh, train a dog and to train the dog in in front of you and you, i think uh it's important to you know keep an open mind and uh you know don't just turn your nose up at something that's you know different from the way you do it so uh i can i can definitely appreciate different approaches across the spectrum of dog training uh maybe not so much the nails and the uh the bumper though that we talked about earlier uh, that's taking it too far. <laughs> that's taking it way too far. And and you know, I, before we go, I there was that video that went viral for a while. That the guy was just throwing puppies in the swimming pool and saying, "This is how you'll teach them how to swim." It was horrible. And um, I mean, dogs eventually, they're Labradors. They're gonna get in the water. They're gonna learn to swim. Just give them time. I wonder. I, mean, I, I wonder if there's been any uh, follow up on that litter of of dogs are they all master hunters now are they uh, <laughs> are, are they all biscuit eaters like they're afraid of water like where are we at with those God, guys man that was bad it yeah. was bad i seen it a while back on on i think it was facebook or something and i mean the the dude needs to go to prison honestly it was horrible so i didn't i didn't catch that but i have no doubt in my mind that that didn't happen you know like that was <laughs> i could totally see that yeah. happening uh so as we yeah. wrap up and before we go, why don't you give us uh, where people can find you on the interwebs, Instagram, yep. internet, your website, what you got? Yep. So it's at Blazing Gun Dogs for Instagram and uh, exactly the same on Facebook. And then it's BlazingGunDogs.com for our uh, webpage. So our information's on there. There's a, there's a spot where you can shoot us an email. We typically reply back within a couple of days we're still a very small operation. So, um, you know, we, we answer 
every single question that people ask. And, and to me, there's really no dumb questions. If you guys got some um, questions or some stuff you want to talk about dogs, we're always here. So, Well, thank you for your time, sir. You bet, guys. I sure appreciate y'all's time, and um, you guys keep in touch.